But the guest said I had till nine o'clock and my sermon's not that long, so I had to waste time doing something. I should tell you that since the last time I was here, I've begun to identify with a community that you may be a little surprised that I've come to strongly identify with the LFTB community. That's the less fat than before. <laughs> I'm still fat. I'm less fat than before, but even though I'm still fat, I've begun to identify as skinny. And I appreciate that if you, appreciate if you respect that in your conversations with me. So I guess you'd say I'm trans fat. <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse 29. I love Brother Chapel. Love being around him. Don't know anybody who works harder for the cause of Christ. Don't know anybody who's seen God do more through his life in the period of time that he's been serving. And just really, really appreciate his testimony and example, his friendship. Love the leaders that you have here. You have the cream of the crop in godly leaders here at West Coast Baptist College. Ecclesiastes 7.29. The book of Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. It's got a lot of wisdom in it. It also has a lot of error in it. Because Solomon tells you what he thought when he was wrong, and then he tells you what he learned when he was right. The Bible contains errors. Uh, like, thou shalt not surely die. That wasn't true. It's true the devil said it. It's accurately recorded, but uh, there's people in the Bible that say things that aren't so, and then you're told they're not so. He thought he'd be happy. He'd be happy if he could fill up his hand with stuff, and he said that left him empty. And he thought he'd be happy if he could fill up his head with knowledge, and that left him empty and vain. And, and then he thought he'd be happy if he could fill up his heart with pleasure, and that left him empty. But here's an amazing verse. Solomon says, lo, this only have I found. That God hath made man upright. Underline that if you underline in your Bible. God hath made man upright. God did not create evil. John Piper says he did. Just in case you think I'm uh, tarnishing your hero. I'll, I'll pull up the quote I just read from him. John Piper said, God is sovereign over Satan and Satan's will does not move without God's permission. And therefore, every move of Satan is part of God's overall purpose and plan. Everything that exists, including evil, is ordained by an infinitely holy and all-wise God to make the glory of God shine more brightly. Really? I thought God was perfect. I thought he was holy. I thought he hated sin. I thought it was always the same. No, no. God uses the evil behaviors of men to accomplish his purpose. God, God uses judo more than karate. I don't know much about either one of them, but uh, karate is direct force. They say if you hold your hand like this and shove somebody to heal your hand, shove it right in their nose and then push up, you can shove the cartilage of their nose into their brain and kill them. It never worked on my deacons when I tried it. <laughs> judo is not like that. Judo uses your opponent's weight against him. 
You watch a judo match and they kind of tugging and, and just moving a little bit, trying to get the other guy to commit. And then if the guy throws a punch, they'll put their hand up like this and put their shoulder under his arm. and They'll flip him because his weight's already going that way. I do know that when you study judo, you learn some basic throws first. You learn the, uh, the Ogoshi, the Okigoshi, and the Osotogari. If you do well with those, they'll take you on to the Suzuki, the Yamaha, and the Kawasaki. <laughs> God will use the evil of man for his good. The Bible tells us that. But God didn't create evil. God didn't make evil. God made man upright. But they, men have sought out many inventions. Lord, would you help me as I speak tonight to be guided by your spirit? I think of all the potential that exists in this room. And I remember when I was a freshman in college, how I wondered if I could pass the courses. I wondered if I would ever amount to anything. I wondered if you'd ever use me. I wondered if I'd be able to pay my bills. Wondered if I'd meet the right person with whom I'd spend my life. But Lord, you had all that figured out for me just like you do for these young people. And help these three times that I get to speak to be used by your spirit to help us get started on the right path. To establish some things, to correct some things, to confess some things, to yield in some areas so that we can at the very beginning of the year get all that you want us to have. As I preach, I pray you'd empower me by your spirit and bind the devil and his demons and not let them interfere with the work you wish to do in our hearts. And we promise to praise you for all that you do in Jesus name. Amen. I very seldom ask people to pay attention when I preach. I, I just figure they will or they won't. Um, I guess I'm a Calvinist in that regard. It's all foreordained. <laughs> but I, I'm going to tell you in these, whenever you're here at West Coast Baptist College, you really don't have to listen to the preacher. Because when I'm done, John Getch is going to, Dr. Getch is going to, in 120 seconds, say everything I was trying to say better. <laughs> so just wait to the end. He'll encapsulate it. He does. It's amazing. I'm going to talk to you about three things in my three times with you, the Lord willing. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer at the end of each of the times we spend together. I'm going to ask you tonight to pray the prayer, Lord, cleanse me. I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer tomorrow night. It's a harder prayer. Lord, correct me. And I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer on my final time, maybe tomorrow evening. So tomorrow morning, the Lord, correct me tomorrow evening. Lord, complete me. Lord, cleanse me. That has to do with my sin. Lord, correct me. That has to do with myself. Lord, completely. That has to do with my surrender. And in this intriguing text, Solomon uses a word that I think you pretty well ought to pay attention to whenever you find it in the scripture. He says, lo, this only have I found. Both in the Old and New Testament, only is a, is a big word. Uh, only believe, the Lord Jesus said to Jairus, whose daughter had been pronounced dead by those who came to talk to him. The Lord Jesus is God's only begotten son. In Numbers 14, Moses said, only, or Joshua and Caleb said, only rebel not against the Lord. Uh, the message to Joshua is only be strong. And, and David told Solomon, only the Lord God give thee wisdom and understanding. Check that out sometime. It's first. Chronicles 22, 12, we make a big deal of how great Solomon was because he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom because his daddy told him to. 
You're going to have some older people tell you some stuff may not seem right to you. Check it out. As long as it's not against the Bible, you be wise to do what they say. Only, this only, have I found the word only means apart. It means alone. It means something that stands by itself. And we see in the text that God had a purpose. This only have I found that God hath made man upright. Uh, the, uh, the word means straight. It means to, to be morally correct. It, it means to have a good testimony. Job was an upright man, God said. Now, that's uh, not only something that Solomon discovered. That's God's requirement for us. God says, I want you to be upright. He said in Psalm 18 and verse 25, with the merciful, I'll show myself merciful. With the upright man, I'll show myself upright. Psalm 19. People say there's no difference between big sins and little sins. All sins are the same with God. I always thought that was strange. You mean to tell me murder and jaywalking? I think I'd rather be a jaywalker at the judgment seat. I read the Bible. They had different penalties for different sins, and some penalties were harsher than others. I read the New Testament. There's a sin unto death and a sin not unto death. And I read Psalm 19, and the Bible says, keep me from presumptuous sins. Then shall I be upright and I'll be innocent from the great transgression. Now, scholarly, I hadn't even started. And I don't want to get too detailed for you, but great kind of means big. And transgression, that's sort of like sin. I'll be innocent from the great transgression. If I keep back from presumptuous sins, you'll keep me upright. God wants us to be upright. God wants you to do right. God wants you to think godly thoughts and speak kind and godly words. God wants you to obey the rules and follow the procedures of the place that he's called you. God wants you to develop yourself. And God wants you to be active in service in the local church while you're here. And God wants you to have a good testimony, not only with the whole student body and to the faculty, but in your room. He wants you to be a good testimony and a good example. He wants you to be upright. He requires us to be upright. He said, you be upright and I'll be upright with you. And I want to promise you that if you'll determine I'm going to do right, I'm going to be upright. I'm going to have a good testimony. I'm going to have a good attitude. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be on the right side of all these issues. If you'll do your very, very best and give it all you've got, you'll fail. But God gives us a resource to be upright. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So that's God's purpose. He made him upright. But then the Bible says man had a pursuit. I found that God had made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. I'll talk about that word inventions in a minute. It's an iniquitous pursuit. It's a pursuit of evil. Man devises evil. Man keeps figuring out ways to do wrong. I remember when I was a young pastor and people come in to me for counsel. First, I thought that was really cool. I'm going to give people advice. Yeah, that's great. And then they come in, Brother Lay, and they'd say some terrible thing they'd done. And I'd want to say, you did what? But I'd say, oh, that's, we need to pray about that. And let's, let's, uh, let's pray about it for a week and I'll get back with you. And I'd pray, but I'd get on the phone. I'd call another pastor, older and wiser. I'd say, i got to remember. And they did such and such. What do I do about this? And then after a while, I thought, I've seen and heard it all wrong. Every time I think I've seen it all, I see something else. I can tell you the most incredible, unbelievable stories of 
terrible things that people have done. Iniquitous pursuits. Now, when we start to go that way, the devil always helps us. Abraham is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It starts with who you are. My dad always told the story of the Methodist preacher's son and the Baptist preacher's son getting in a fist fight. And of course, the Baptist preacher's son won. He punched him. He knocked him down. He jumped up and down on his stomach. He beat him some while he was lying on the ground. He grabbed a handful of mud and stuck it in his mouth to add the final insult to the injury he had performed on the Methodist preacher's son. And he went home and the Baptist preacher's son, a Baptist preacher said to his son, now son, you shouldn't have done that. He said, you know why you did that, don't you? He said, no, why? He said, the devil made you do that. And the little boy thought a minute and he said, dad, maybe the devil made me punch him. Maybe the devil made me knock him down. Maybe the devil made me jump up and down on his belly. Maybe the devil made me hunt him, hit him while I was down there. But, but dad, that putting the mud in his mouth, that was my own idea. most of the stuff we do, it's our own idea. We blame the devil, and he certainly, and his demons, wants to encourage us in the pursuit of wrong. But this is an intentional pursuit. Not only iniquitous, but it's purposeful. They have sought out the word that is used there, is used of worshiping God. It's used in Jeremiah 29, 12. Ye shall seek me. It's an earnest seeking. It's a purposeful seeking. But it's also used of seeking the wrong things. In Leviticus it says they have sought out wizards. I was born in Greenville, South Carolina. graduated from high school and college there. We left when I was about two years old. And I grew up most of my life in Michigan. Moved to Detroit when I was in the middle of the first grade. And in the city of Detroit. My dad ran the Detroit Rescue Mission. And I went to school there. And their public schools were not maybe as bad as they are now, but they're pretty rough. And a lot of the kids thought it was cool to smoke. There's a guy named Arnold. Arnold was about 14 or 15, and he always had cigarettes. And a bunch of us, 9 or 10 or 11, there's a big field behind the, the houses across the street from us. The houses in Detroit are very close together. Yeah, but there's this big field owned by the railroad, and we'd play out there and Arnold would come by and we'd say, hey, Arnold, give me a cigarette. Hey, Arnold, give me a cigarette. Arnold, give me a cigarette. You know why? Arnold was older than us and he was cool and he smoked. And we wanted to be cool and we wanted to smoke. It was intentional. Nobody came and knocked me out and then stuck a cigarette in my mouth. I smoked those cigarettes when I was a little kid. I'd look on the street and find one that wasn't all smoked down and pick it up and light it and smoke it because I thought I was cool. You know, you didn't wake up one morning with bad music on your phone. You put it on there. You actually, some of you have little folders that have different names on them where all your bad stuff is because your parents wouldn't look under the innocent name of the folder. You didn't, you didn't have somebody hold your nose and pour beer down your throat this summer, but some of you drank it. 
You didn't just wake up one morning and, and say, well, I don't know how it happened, but I have not read my Bible, uh, but two times the last week. No, no, no. You chose repeatedly to go to bed without reading your Bible. You sought after it. You sought sleep instead of Scripture. You sought the world instead of the Lord. Uh, and people say, well, I just fell into sin. No, you followed after sin most of the time. A pursuit, a purpose. But then the Bible says there's a perversion. I found that God hath made man upright. That's his purpose. He hath sought out. That's his pursuit. Many inventions. What did man pursue after? Inventions. It's a contrivance. The word means to plan. It means a mental machination. The same word is used in Genesis 38 and verse 15. The terrible story. We never preach on it. We should. There's great truth in it. I'll give you a synopsis of it. You can work something up on it. Judah leaves his brethren after Joseph is sold into bondage. And we believe, I believe from reading the scripture, it was because of that. Because it says it came to pass at that time. He didn't want Joseph to be killed. He tried to stop what they were doing. But Joseph sold into slavery. And he goes to, but when he leaves the imperfect family of God, he goes to a wicked place instead. Some of you are going to find out that you have imperfect roommates and imperfect teachers and imperfect administrators. And you're going to think that negates the truth that they tell. I was in college. A man came to speak and he had a ministry helping Roman Catholic nuns and priests get saved and grow in the Lord. His name was Alex Dunlap. He got stopped by a police officer for speeding and had a bumper sticker in the back of his car that said, Jesus never fails. And the police officer, a little bit playfully, maybe a little bit sarcastically, said, well, I see your bumper sticker isn't true. The man said, would you look at it again, check it, let me know what it says. Police officer went back, looked at the bumper sticker, came up to the driver, and he said, it says Jesus never fails. And the driver held out his hand, he said, I'm Alex Dunlap. <laughs> An imperfect saint. Don't blame God for what all of his supposed followers do. Even his most faithful followers are imperfect. Judah left. He married a woman of that land, and uh, they had a son, and the son got married to a woman named Tamar, and, and that son died, and the next son died, and the idea was you had to give your, your sons, yeah, it was called the law of leveret marriage, uh, if, if you were in the family and your brother died, you had to take his wife, and uh, Judah had given Tamar one son, he gave her another son, he said, man, I'm not going to give her a third one, Sheila, if I give Sheila to him, he'll die too. He said, I'll give, just, just wait a little bit. I'll give them to you later on, but he never did. So Tamar waits out by the road when Judah's going to the sheep shearing. And the Bible says she covered her face so that she would look like a harlot. The word cover is the same word as the word invention. She was pretending to be something she shouldn't have been. She was using a disguise to assume a role that never was God's purpose or plan for her. And, and, and they've gone after all kinds of inventions, the Bible said. Now, now uh, uh, these inventions are always available. The devil's going to find a way, a perverted alternative for you to God's plan. God made marriage between a man and a woman. And now uh, we're told between a man and a man or a woman and a woman or two men and one woman or two women and a man. 
Amen and all kind of stuff. No, no, that's not true. That's an invention. That's not accurate. God gave man the capacity to procreate. He said to Adam, I want you to multiply and fill, replenish the earth. And then man said, well, you know, we might not want all these babies, so let's just kill them. And now we have people with a straight face acting like solid citizens to protect the rights of women that say it's okay to kill them after they're born. That's an invention. That's not God's plan. Adam and Eve had it made. They had one rule. Wouldn't that be a nice handbook? <laughs> Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they were doing pretty good. And the devil came along and said, hey, did, did God tell you you wouldn't die? No, the truth is you become just like God. Really? Cool. Wasn't true. It was an invention. Ananias and Sapphira saw that Barnabas was given praise from the church for selling land and giving the proceeds to the New Testament church in the book of Acts. And they decided they wanted some of that praise for themselves. And, and they, they didn't do anything wrong. They, they sold the land. They kept some of the money and gave some money to God. And that wasn't wrong. In fact, Peter said that. He said, uh, while you owned it, it was yours. Well, it was yet thine own. After you sold it, the money was yours. You could have done anything you wanted with it. But what they did when they came and they gave the money, they said, we sold the land and we want to give all the money to the church. Their sin was pretending to be more spiritual than they were. You know anybody does that? Pretending everything's right when some things are wrong. Pretending their heart is right with God when there are barriers and, and they know their prayer is unanswered. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And Peter said, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie against the Holy Ghost? There's, there's always an invention available. There's always a, some other way that you know. The, the devil tried that with the Lord Jesus. He, he tempted him after the Lord Jesus 40 days of fasting. And the first temptation, if you're really the Son of God, turn this stone to bread. And the second one, why don't you jump off the pinnacle of the temple because he said he would not let you dash your foot against the stone. And the third one, he took him to a high place and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he said, all this will be thine if thou wilt bow down and worship me. And I tend to believe that was a legitimate offer. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. And what he was saying to the Lord Jesus, you can have the crown without having the cross. You can take a shortcut. That wasn't true. That was an invention. Marriage is honorable and all. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. But more than one time, I have run into Bible college students who have some really particular strong convictions about women's dress and things like that. But they think it's okay to engage in that which is reserved for marriage before they're married. They say, well, you know, in the Bible, uh, when you got together physically, that was marriage. Really? Not in the New Testament. They had a big procedure. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, you were legally bound to your partner when you got engaged to them. And if either partner was unfaithful, you would have a divorce to end the engagement. No, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. That's an invention. I was thinking the other day about what the Lord Jesus 
wants his church to be. I was thinking about that verse in Ephesians. And he says, verses 26 and 27, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And I wonder if we took the worship services of some of the progressive churches and put them on a screen and put those words underneath it, if the words of what God wants for his church would match what they call worship. No, 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 no. That's an invention. People now doubting whether it's right or wrong to drink booze. You're crazy. God didn't condemn booze in the Old Testament and make 120 gallons for people to get drunk on at a wedding feast in the New Testament. He's the Lord God. He changes now. It's not a hard thing to study out. There are simple answers that happen. I had people come to me. We were just driving together meeting in Oregon and a fine young man that I'd mentored some and talked to and tried to help. He said, so what do we do about social drinking? In my area, it's really popular. And he said, I'm just afraid I won't be able to get anybody to work in the nursery or serve if I don't let people who have social drinking as a part of their life serve in those ministries. And I tried to be kind to him. I said, well, you just got to decide what kind of church you want to have. Uh, doesn't sound to me like it's holy and without blemish if you got booze drinkers taking care of the babies in, in the nursery. Uh, uh, that doesn't seem like a good testament. Now, that's, that's not in the Bible. That's an invention. So let me give you some principles and I'll be done. Principle number one, you have all you need to succeed. You're indwelt by the Spirit of God. Uh, God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Whenever you get off track and think, I'm never going to make it, I'm going to drop out for a semester. This is just too bad. No, 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 that's not true. God will take care of you. He'll stretch your faith. He'll test your faith. Uh, you'll have lots of ways. I, I, I got through college by work and I got through college uh, by some gifts, not very many. And I got through college by loans, not too many of those either. But I made it, and it was more money uh, compared to the minimum wage than it would be here for you to go to West Coast Baptist College. Pretty expensive place I went. You have all you need to succeed. Don't, don't think, well, I were smarter. If I had a better family life, if I had come from a different background, if I were more able to speak publicly, if I had more athletic ability, if I was musical, then I could make it. No, no, God's given you everything you need to do everything he wants you to do. You don't need to find an invention. Satan always has inventions. And you'll always tend to find what you're looking for. Some of you are going to call home and say, man, the kids here, they're, they're not all that good. Why, some of them do this and some of them do that and some of them have this in their background. And some of you call and say, wow, I got the greatest roommates and I made some really good friends and we just really agree on stuff. You know why? Because you find what you're looking for. You're going to seek after something. There was an old man standing by the side of a road to the entrance to a village and a family came in. They said, we're thinking of moving here. What's this town like? He said, well, what's the town you came from like? Oh, he said, it's a wonderful town. People are friendly and everybody's so helpful and neighborly. And it was just a great place to live. And the old man said, yeah, you'll find this town about like the town you came from. 
But it wasn't long after that, another family looking to move came by and said, hey, we're thinking of moving to this town. What's this town like? And the old man said, what's the town you came from like? And they said, oh, it's, people are gossiping. Nobody wants to help you out. And everybody's trying to take advantage of you. It's a terrible place to live. That's why we're moving. And the old man said, oh, you'll probably find this town about like the one you left. There's probably not a better collection of godly young people with a heart to serve him and a desire to please him and a willingness to be instructed in his word and his truth any place in America that is in this room right now. But there's some people that are seeking out inventions and you'll find them if that's what you're looking for. And your final choice is really simple. It's always between God's instruction and man's invention. You know how to know when somebody's off track? You'll tell them what the Bible says and say, yeah, but I think. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't give a rip what you think. <laughs> Neither does God. <laughs> uh, we want to know what God says. You know one reason, uh, the main reason I believe the King James Bible is the preserved word of God, the right Bible for English speaking people to use a literal translation of the correct Greek and Hebrew manuscripts is because of what it says about itself. It says that, that he's going to preserve it for a thousand generations. It, it says that heaven and earth will pass away, uh, but his word will not pass away. And the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the word of God will abide forever. Uh, and you say, well, you're starting with the Bible. That's circular reasoning. Call it what you like. What are you starting with? Some doctor sounding brass? The major in tinkling symbols. It was studied ancient manuscripts. God, you start with, I'm going to start with the Bible. That's God's instruction. God wrote this book. Amen. He didn't write all those other books you're getting. And by the way, if you keep in the Bible, you won't get very far off track. I don't think anybody ever became a Calvinist just by reading the Bible. I think they got a Calvinism. It became Calvinist by reading what somebody said about the Bible. I don't think anybody ever looked at their Bible and said, wow, we shouldn't have church on Sunday night anymore. You didn't get that from the Bible. Well, our music is too godly. We need to have worldly music if we're going to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. You didn't get that from reading the Bible. You know what? I think those people are all, uh, they're, they're all just trying to make our life miserable. And I think these rules are a crock. And I think everybody's just trying to do stuff because they want, they're on a power trip. You didn't get that from the Bible. You did get obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as those that must give an account that they may do with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. It's always a question of God's instruction or man's invention. It was probably 36 years ago. Preached at a camp in Arizona. The man running the camp was named Dave Bunt. He told the story, I'll never forget, they, they had a camp one year, and there was a girl there, and she had an older boyfriend, and she didn't like camp, and she didn't like the preaching. And she was one of those families where the parents just pretty well let her do what she wanted to do, and she'd had enough, and she said, I'm leaving. They said, you can't leave. Your mother signed the papers. We're in charge of you. We've got to take you. I'll call my mother. She'll let me leave. And so she called her mother, and her mother spoke to the camp director and said, yeah, let my daughter leave. 
her boyfriend will pick her up. And he came, as Dave Bunt told the story, in a brand new shiny Corvette. And she marched off, cocky as could be, thumbing her nose, as it were, at all the little peons who had to stay under the rules. And she was going to be out with this older guy and have a big time. And she was going to be free. And she was going to do anything she wanted to do. It was an invention. And Dave Bunch said less than 24 hours later, that young lady, having been abused in the most awful manner imaginable, was left by the side of the road dead. God's instruction, pretty simple. Man's invention makes a mess.